Hi, this is Steve Anderson for the Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. David Chavanka felt like he was hitting his head against a brick wall until a phone call set him on a journey of discovery and breakthrough in Japan. So I, I felt like uh, I'd been hitting my head against a brick wall for a while in the ministry. And uh, I'm in these you know strategy calls with other practitioners in Asia and I'm hearing stuff that we dream about in Japan and just we weren't seeing the same type of multiplication that we're seeing in other cultures. And I just I kept I was just going everywhere, asking questions, reading books, just trying to find out. I kept thinking there's something missing, a strategy piece that I'm not seeing that probably everyone who talks to me sees that I don't see. And so I'm just asking questions and in a call with Chuck. Uh, he just, um, I, I just said, Chuck, is there a blind spot? Is there something I'm not seeing that, uh, that you've been trying to tell me I've been listening or, or just that you've been afraid to say, what do I need to hear? And his answer was really surprising. He said, David, I think you need to rest. I think you need to take a break. And so, uh, I, I, yeah, I really, that really hit me. And I, I spent some time praying, uh, talking to my wife. My wife said, yes, you're, you know, burning the candle at both ends. And um, just, yeah, there was, um, it was a discernible need in my life from several people that led into the season. I didn't immediately stop, but actually led in, into a season of 40 days of no ministry. Um, nothing that even looked like strategy or evangelism or training. And in that period of 40 days, I just, uh, the time that I would have spent in ministry, I just spent with Jesus, uh, praying, uh, reading the scriptures. Uh, I pulled out my guitar and singing worship songs and um, just listening to a lot of worship music as well. And um, somewhere in that time, uh, it was it was a very, very freeing, life-giving time. And at some point, I just remember um, I was learning a new worship song and just, um, just singing about my friendship with Jesus. And I just broke down in tears Mm -hmm. and it was like just this wash of closeness uh, and with, with Jesus that felt really rare to me in that season. And so that was kind of alarming to me. Uh, It was really refreshing, encouraging, but also like, wow, why have I not experienced that uh, in a long time? And where did that go? So um, that was kind of a, a starting point for me of just really taking a hard look at everything I was doing and what was Lord, the Lord was doing in my life, what he's doing in the ministry. Um, and from there, Chuck coached me into uh, what, what he called an elimination diet. So when someone is trying to identify an allergy, uh, an allergic reaction in their diet, first they fast. And I don't remember exactly how long, but they strip everything away. And then they'll just add one food ingredient into the diet and see how they react to that and wait a week or two before they add something else. Um, and so it's just a long, slow um, adding things in uh, to my the ministry schedule that I had. And so um, I remember coming out of that 40 days. And by the end of it, um, I was feeling the strong urge to just get out and share the gospel with somebody. So uh, it was just this inclination. And I felt like that's what I want to do first. And uh, But I also 
the way that I think, I don't want to just go out by myself and share the gospel. I want to include people. And so a friend of mine had been starting a relationship with a church uh, in uh, northern Tokyo. And I said, hey, how about we all just go get in the harvest together? It seems like a good timing in the schedule. Let's go do that. And he said, yes, let's do it. And um, it ended up actually being one of the most discouraging uh, gospeling experiences in terms of the actual fruit. And it was really hard. And my partners were resistant to share. And we, our, our little team of, of three saw nothing. But there was a few encouraging things that came out of that. And um, long story short, that led to a partnership, though, which, which led to the most fruitful stream of salvations and new church starts that we've seen. It was several months down the road, but that ended up being a really playing a really key place. But but from there, in my own journey, it just I, I started building back to okay, what is what is God doing? What is He calling me to do? What's my role? And trying to get back and step. And really, the way I look at it is trying to get back in step with the Spirit. That next year ended up being the most fruitful year, that, you know, of the years that we've been on the field in Japan. And I felt like I was doing a lot less work. And so I wanted to look back and just identify how did I get to this spot? And and I felt like there was actually some repentance needed uh, in that place. So one verse uh, that really popped out me is in, in Matthew 7, where um, Jesus said, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Mm-hmm. And that really hit my heart because I think um, somewhere along the way and running for that vision for Japan, I I just kind of wrapped my identity around the idea of I'm the guy that's going to start. I want to be the guy that's going to start a movement in Japan. And I was working really hard for that. And I felt like I, I wouldn't have said that. I would have thought that was disgusting if if I if I heard myself say that at that point. But when I when I picked up on that, I just felt like I could almost read that verse like, Lord, Lord, wasn't I didn't I start a CPM in your name in Japan? And um, that I felt like in that moment, you know, I don't want to get into the theological mud of what that means but just I felt in a sense I had definitely was neglecting that simplicity of just knowing Christ and I'd lost sight of that uh, for I think a a variety of reasons and so just uh, in the meantime I've been trying to dive into the scriptures just places where I see um, either the Lord addressing that uh, or trying to address that and so and then looking at my own story and just uh and then uh, thinking too, how do I incorporate this into training? So what do I do to help the next guy, uh, the next gal not hit the same wall? You know, how do we really protect our identity? And some pieces that came out pretty fast, uh, one of which was Luke chapter 10. So in the descending of the 70, you know, we, we've probably used that passage hundreds of times in training. And uh, for the sake of time, we normally stop kind of early on in the passage, but that debrief, the debrief of the 70 is so rich. Um, but, you know, they come back excited, you know, Lord, the, the demons were subject to us in your name. And, and, and Jesus, I, you know, I, I wish I could see his tone and his, you know, how he delivered this. And I think that we can see some insights into some language here, but, you know, he, he he's like, yes, I saw Satan fall like uh, lightning from heaven. Uh, but then he corrects them and says, uh, but don't, yeah, don't rejoice in that. Don't rejoice in this. 
but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And uh, and so he just, but that's, a, I don't know. And some, it kind of feels a little bit like a wet blanket on the joy they were feeling. It uh, could have been, but right next to that, he kind of explodes in, in joy. And it says he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. And he has this, this beautiful prayer to the Father that talks about the Father's intimate knowledge of him and his intimate knowledge of the Father and how these these uh, men and women have been invited into that. And so I just, I, I kind of just diving into that phrase, you know, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And so I spent some time in that meditating on what that means, because I, I normally hear people say, yeah, we need to just, you know, re- you know, rejoice in the fact that we're saved. And I think that's right. But I also think that's just a buzzword. Uh, what does that mean that you're saved? You know, like, do you find joy in that? Is that just a, a label that you have? Or is that something that, you know, uh, identifies who you are and what you love and where your joy comes from? And what's neat about that phrase is I thought, okay, just very, very basically, what does that phrase mean? Uh, Your names are written in heaven. Well, very, very basically, it means that we are known by heaven. Heaven knows our name. So God knows us. And actually, the passive writing of your names are written in heaven. I think it was a Hebrew writing tool where if it's an anonymous passive person doing something, that it's God doing it. So the implication is you know, like Steve, God knows your name, Steve, and he's written your name in a book. He knows who you are. And uh, to me, that just hit my heart in a a much deeper way. And again, in that next section, Jesus is rejoicing in the fact that the father knows him. Uh, Let's see, it says, uh, um, you know, no one knows who the son is except the father and who the father is except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. And then that's when he, I imagine him kind of holding the, grabbing the disciple or one of them by the shoulders and saying, you know, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Uh, you know, many prophets and kings desire to see what you see. And they're, they're looking at him <laughs> and he's revealing the father and the father knows them. And so I think that's, you know, looking back, I just think um, I was, I was supposed to have kept a pulse on my heart. Uh, there's so many stories. One of my favorite passages since I was a young Christian just wanting to live a life yielded to God was a uh, second chronicles 16 9 where it says the eyes of the Lord range to and fro throughout the earth uh, to search for those who's to strongly support those whose hearts are completely his I think is what it says and uh, but we never quote the second half of that that's actually only half of the verse the other half says but you've done foolishly in this and it's this uh, you know story of King Asa um, how he had he had uh, and, and just a you know, quick summary of his story is he had had this this uh, this wonderful victory against uh, I think it was the Ethiopian army. It was two to one odds, and he had cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord had helped. And it was a you know just kind of a a trophy in his life of a life you know lived for God. But then I think it's about five years later, uh, another army is on the the borders threatening them, and he takes all the gold out of the temple and hires another army to break a treaty with them. And, and just, it's like, what did you just do? Um, and after you had this great victory of faith and in the same circumstance, you just kind of blow it. And that's the context of the verse. But I, 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 that was another passage I just spent a lot of time in because I just wanted to look at his story and what went, what are some learning points 
um, what went wrong? And I think one, one of the things that jumps out is we can't lean on our past victories or our past adventures or uh, the, to say that we're okay right now, um, regardless of what proceeded this point. Right now, it's about, you know, me and Jesus, like, where are we? Do I, do I know that he knows me and do I know him? And are we, you know, is that my greatest source of joy? Uh, but also, you know, that just leaning into him, trusting him for these mighty works and doing it in step with him. Just some pieces like that started to come out. Um, we're How do you pass this on to the next generation is what I'm wrestling through now. But I think those are some of the important pieces. Just staying close to the Lord. How, how did the Lord work this shift in identity in you? Repentance was a big deal that I had to say, God, I have been trying to be the guy that starts CPMs in Japan, and that's been my identity. And I, I would get angry at people um, who who challenged pieces of that or didn't like my strategy. I remember being in a a quiet Japanese coffee shop, and uh, some friends of mine. And, and I mean, if, if you've ever been in Japan, it's like it just everybody. It's it's really quiet, peaceful place, and so there's not a lot of talking, and so. Uh, usually, you know, Americans are instantly way too loud and draw a lot of attention to themselves. And I know that. And I, I remember being in this meeting at a coffee shop and a friend of mine was talking about, you know, planting a church in a new city. And they were using a sort of an attractional model church. And I remember just feeling, as he was talking through that, I was feeling angry. And I remember saying something along the lines of, um, uh, I don't think I used the word waste of time, but I just felt like, man, I just don't think that's a good strategic choice. But I said it from an angry tone, like he was doing something wrong. And I think in that moment, it was like, I, I you know everyone in the restaurant looks at me and they don't even know that, you know, most people probably don't speak English, but I was just loud and there was some emotion to my voice. And I think I started as I was unpacking this stuff with the Lord, I, I looked back at that time and I just had to repent and say, and Lord, uh, yeah, that, that was sort of a sign that I was in the wrong place. So then confessing that that's where I was at and getting back to just baseline. So, so he raised your level of awareness that yes. there's a problem. Yeah. You had to yeah. know something's not quite right here. Amen. That is a great way of saying it. Then, then he brought Chuck along. Chuck Wood. Uh, yeah. Yep. And Chuck's question raised your level, you were already feeling something's not right. You know, I'm running out of gas, nothing's working. So the Lord brought you to that point of frustration. And then the conversation with Chuck Wood, and he made it worse. He poured fuel on that (laughs) by saying, why don't you just stop? But he's also a gift from God, isn't he? That he... he... Absolutely. And and then... Absolutely. You disengaged from active ministry and took some rest and pursued God in his word and worship, and he met you in that place. I mean, if if you hadn't hit a wall and had that conversation with Chuck, um, you probably would have kept pushing harder and harder and the wheels come off the way and, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So his word and his spirit, um, and you discovered, wow, God satisfies my soul. My name is written in heaven. 
you know, not just I'm not. It's not. I like what you said. It's not just that I'm saved, but what am I saved for? I'm saved for this relationship with the Father and the Son and the Spirit, and and that's precious. You know, so you you're just soaking in that for a while, and then what happened then after that time? It's like something shifting, not just in your thinking and your skills, but in who you are in that period of time. Something shifted, and you you discovered something afresh in your relationship with God. What did what did the Lord do next? So um, I just began to be way more protective of that space with Jesus, um, uh, but also just learning to walk within. Um, I think in the in the illogical, non strategic obediences in Scripture too. Like if you look for like. Um, how, uh, there's there's actually quite a bit of uh, uh, instruction on how to keep your heart in the right place. One of them is through your giving, like to give generously and, and anonymously can actually benefit your heart, you know, or loving someone that's unlovable. You know, it's like so that I started noticing some of those commands and making sure I had a healthy amount of like just walking in, in all the commands of Jesus, not just the ones that were strategically helping reach the Japanese. But you know, and I felt also just a fresh, fresh vision. So I never felt like the Lord said I wasn't running for the right goal. You know, like he wants to reach the Japanese people. And I believe that he, you know, wants me to play a role in that. And I never felt like it was dropped that vision. And so, uh, but just making sure that, that uh, trying to build in places that can help my heart be satisfied in Christ. And and in Paul, like I think he's the guy we look at, right? Of being the the greatest strategist, the one that ran and and was able to say that, you know, he fully proclaimed the gospel in that big piece of real estate after I think it was 15 years. But his heart, what was he, what was he driven by? And it's Philippians 3, um, you know, that I may know him, uh, that I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection the fellowship of his sufferings and so just looking back trying to to keep my heart in that place was the main goal but to keep running but one thing that's interesting in that i just want to draw it real quick in that uh, philippians 3 is there's a really interesting sentence near the bottom of it that the way i read it he says if you're he says if this is the way your heart should be and he's talking about walking with christ in the righteousness that christ gives not trying to earn it on our own you know living for that goal of knowing christ but he says if your heart's uh, if, there, if there's a place in your heart that's off, God will reveal that to you, but keep living by that same standard to which you've attained. And so that became a really important piece of like, I didn't think he wanted to change, he didn't want to change the goal, the vision, uh, but it was just, he's God's going to reveal where your heart is. Listen to that, get your heart back in the right spot. So that just became much, much more important, the importance of where, where my heart is at and trying to keep that space before the Lord. You said he brought fresh vision. Just that idea that he still wants to reach the Japanese people. Um, he's still going to do things with his people uh, in Japan that will blow our minds. And that I didn't, the work itself wasn't bad. The movement principles, uh, finding our strategy in the scripture, that wasn't bad. And I just felt him saying, uh, I just, yeah, just through a series of verses and conversations with people and prayers i felt like god said okay now i want you to stand up and work like I, I i haven't removed this call from your life now i want you to 
put your big boy pants on and get back to work, but keep your heart in that right spot. So maybe it was just a very personal slice of that of that vision. He's, he didn't want to remove that burden. Uh, just a fresh call to this is what I've called you to, and I want you to stay focused. So what what came out of that fresh, fresh vision? So in using that, again, that kind of elimination diet rebuilding of the schedule and, and my, my week-to-week activities, it was built on um, things that I sensed God wanting to do, uh, how he created me, and just... Uh, and so just, I felt like I'd found a real sweet spot that next year. That was, uh, I think roughly the end of 2020 and into 2021, just a real sweet spot, a real fruitfulness, a real joy in the ministry. And at near, at the end of that, it was about a full year of that. And, um, around that time, I started to hear, uh, my wife say that she was having her own struggle. Uh, with life in Japan and, and doing uh, being a, a mom of a missionary family. And so that sort of um, pivoted me to listening to her story and where she was at. And that was a significant piece in the story, which leads to where we're at now. Yeah, We had planned this to come off the field for a four-month furlough because of COVID and the restrictions, the travel restrictions, it had been a we were way past due for a, a furlough as a family. And, and I think my wife, she was just really feeling the need for that. And so we started making plans for that. Um, as we were getting ready to leave, she, she said to me, like, it was like the day before she's like, I really, at this moment in time, uh, I don't feel like I want to be in Japan right now. And that was a big blow uh initially I actually didn't quite give it the attention I needed to in that moment honestly looking back um so but I said hey we're going to be in the states for four months let's set this before the Lord and pray and have some answers about that uh, you know before we 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 uh come back to Japan what was neat is that the the 40 days off the sabbatical and a lot the new rhythms that I was in actually enabled me to step away so there was a lot of things that I had been doing that other people could have been doing. And so I was able to pass the baton and I was able to step back and play more of a coaching role to uh, the guys and gals that were really leading the charge and just to play a different role. And I, that was one piece that had shifted as a result of that time off, which enabled us to be set up for a furlough. And then that four months turned into a year and and in the middle in the middle of that year, um, we pretty quickly realized uh, that we needed to be praying about uh, if and when and how long to physically return to Japan. Uh, the Japanese people were still very much um, a part of the vision that God was calling me to, but we sensed Him on a family level shifting. What exactly does that look like at this stage of life for my family? Yeah, we we got into a rhythm. Actually, several years ago, as we were battling the challenges of life on the mission field with young kids, um, Danielle and I started to set aside a significant portion of January every year um, to pray and to fast. We usually just do something like a media fast uh, for an extended period of time and you know, throw in some form of food fast into that. But just to set aside, say, Lord, what do you want to do? Just table everything and ask, what do you, what do you want us to do this year? 
And so we did that with a, even more intentionality, I should say, in, in 2022, um, just to say, where do you want us? Uh, and and we started also just taking notes and listening, you know, as, as in, intriguing things came up in conversation, we'd start taking notes. And I just had a little a little note going on my phone of like, reasons for Japan, for us to return to Japan and do life the way we were doing it and reasons not to. And the first, um, that morning, uh, we, we set aside some time to actually take a prayer walk together and actually, you know, verbalize these things together. It's near the very beginning of the fast this year. And uh, I think it was the first morning in my just time with the Lord, I sensed, um, I, I I think it was in the story of the um the lepers that were healed and the one that turned to give thanks and how Jesus said his thanksgiving gave glory to God. It was just kind of a side comment, but I thought, let's start out this prayer time, not asking for direction, but just saying thank you. And mm-hmm. let's just, let's just walk and pray and, um, and let's just say thank you. So we started just, yeah, just worshiping and just long list of thank you for this and this and this and this. And, and then, you know, I don't remember how much time passed, but we actually finished our walk and set, got in the car. We're about to drive back home. We were at a park. And I, th- I, I said, well, I guess we need to kind of start tuning into that list. You know, what are the pros and cons? But it, it felt like almost as we shifted to starting to pray more intentionally about the list, it just felt like the Lord had already given us the answer. And we both kind of knew in our hearts what he was saying. And when I just looked at the list, it was like there were 12 reasons to stay and only one uh, clear reason that uh, would point to our whole family returning to Japan. And so just a real um, sense of peace and direction from that, that came out of that prayer time. Again, in the last year, I've kind of started, I've actually been back and forth to Japan. I'm leaving on Monday. This will be my third trip in the last 12 months. And, um, the nature of those trips, the types of conversations I'm having, the the types of conversations I'm having on, on Zoom have all shifted to um, I'm not the one on the ground running the show. Um, it's I am fully dependent on I mean, it's just I just get to love, serve and coach these people that are dear friends of mine. And the baton is in their hands. And it's required me to think more about the baton being run by someone else. I think I've also started to understand more of of sort of my gift set and my weaknesses that I, I, I'm really blessed with a large set of weaknesses. <laughs> and I've got two or three things that I know that that um, uh, it, it seems like God has gifted me. Um, I, I think there's a, a, a sort of a catalytic role that God has done through me in certain areas. Um, for example, but I, I feel like the types of things I'm doing with Japan has shifted to that. So I, in no way is, is that um, I don't feel like the vision for the Japanese in Japan has shifted. But I was just uh, I had a meeting, I believe it was with with Will Smith recently. And, um, you know, he's working among the diaspora, uh, a diaspora all over the world, uh, unreached, unengaged people groups and and he just asked me, well, you know, uh, who's running a strategy with the Japanese diaspora? And it it took me a moment to try to think of of who might be running a strategy. And and a, and a couple of names popped into mind, but uh, I don't, I didn't, um, I didn't know of anybody necessarily aiming in a comprehensive way 
with a movement strategy for diaspora all over the world, Japanese. And actually, when I first, when the Lord first put the Japanese on my heart back in, I think it's 2002, I was at the University of North Texas and uh, it had a, they had a sister partnership with the university in Osaka. And there were all these Japanese that were just going back and forth and back and forth. And, and I was learning that uh, just the, the high, uh, the Japanese are actually, in general, there's a higher level of openness to the gospel when they're outside of their culture. Um, and then as I was learning movement strategies, learning how to kind of tweak the challenges that they face in joining ex- traditional churches back in Japan, and strategically speaking, I think our work in Japan has enabled us to understand some ways that you can actually capitalize on um, that um, return to Japan for those that are going back and forth. And so just starting to wrap my mind around that because of our connection with Japan, um, God's really blessed us with lots of friends and um, ministry partners all over the world that are already living among the Japanese diaspora. And I, I uh, the next step is to to just be more intentionally um, gathering those people and casting vision. And I think um, aiming for those pockets of Japanese. Yeah. Just meeting with one of my uh, Japanese friends that I get to work closely with he and his wife. And they were just sharing a story of this uh, young lady that they've been training and she's been faithfully sharing the gospel with uh, her friends and family, but her, her husband left her and started, you know, transitioning to becoming uh, a woman and, um, you know, living a very different lifestyle, left their family. And so, uh, but over the course of the last, you know, uh, year and a half, two years, uh, she's just been praying for her family and um, just faithfully walking with the Lord and sharing the gospel. Well, God's just done something in that man's heart to make him, he misses his family. And he started popping back in again to visit. and. Um, he just, yeah, he wanted to see his son, wanted to spend time with his wife. And, um, but, you know, the the woman that had changed, she's like, well, you're going to have to dress like a man if you come back and see our family. And he said, that's fine. I can do that. And he, so, you know, he um, dressed like he used to and came around and, and he just said, he kept saying things like, I just, uh, um, the atmosphere is so good and clean here and i just uh um you know what what's what's happened in your life and she's just it's jesus it's jesus it's jesus and as soon as he walks in the door she's talking about jesus and um encouraging him to give his 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 uh life to the lord and so he's they're actually at a place where he officially wants to rejoin the family and she's set before him that well uh you're gonna have to repent and trust in jesus if you're gonna get back in the family which he hasn't made that decision yet. I think um, just what what I celebrate about that story, and 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 I get to hear lots of stories like that uh, weekly. Um, it's just that that they're the 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 depth that they're going to in that the, the discipleship with that woman, and the the change that's happening in that family, and just the. Um, just the discernible presence of Christ in that family as a result of this, that's, you know, starting this, you know, slow, but powerful life change. Um, There's, I have the privilege of leading um, some friends through actually uh, two uh, really uh, 
young Christians and one one guy who's interpreting and he's actually uh, not yet a Christian, but we have this Zoom call twice a month where we actually gather together to learn how to share the gospel with Japanese. And they're all three Japanese. And we were just been in this, the scriptures together. And actually one of the, the young believers um, has a mental disability has been, had been out of work um, by the point he joined our group. And actually he uh, had just decided to follow Jesus and was trying to get baptized, but the uh, he couldn't find a church to baptize him. Uh, and he got connected with my friend on Zoom. And these three people are in three different parts of Japan and we're getting together. But even in that 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 man's life, uh, something about having the regular community, they actually gather uh, without me almost daily on Zoom. And I just get to hop in to cover this particular topic twice a month. But um, he actually gained the confidence through being in the scriptures and through this community to actually uh, to get out and apply for a job. And he actually got a job and um, and he has been starting to share the gospel with his sister um, and other family members and just really taking radical steps of obedience for any Japanese believer, especially um, one of with the challenges that he faces. So, There's another woman that that joined that group that she's um in her late seventies, in, in a you know very traditional uh, church environment, and has never been taught to do these things, to actually to, to dream about sharing the gospel. But she's started sharing Bible stories with um, her son, and uh, he's starting to show an interest and in opening to that. And so, just yeah, I'm getting to hear these stories uh, of of life change, um, people taking steps of obedience, and them. I think it's hearing stories of Japanese people encountering Christ as they're walking with him in this story of um, not only walking with him, but also taking that and passing it on. And I think, um, and there is something that's interlinked. I think actually Chuck often uh, has said this is like, it's like two sides of a coin, the, the uh, abiding piece or, or, and um, making disciples and abiding it's like two sides of a, of a coin and you can't, you can't, you can't split it in half. Uh, or it's kind of like, I think he says, peeling apart a sandwich, a uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, peeling it back to, back apart and saying, which is which. It's just really interlinked together. And it's fun seeing other people discover Christ in the work of walking with him and making disciples. And a reminder that my latest book, Acts and the Movement of God, is available now. Visit movements.net to find out how you can get yourself a copy. And if you've read the book, then uh, why not leave an Amazon review and encourage others to check out the book for themselves. I'm Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast.